and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name is Caitlin, and I'm a writer and editor for the site, as well as running my own blog, I Have a Heroin Problem. Hi, I'm Dee Hogan, a writer and editor for Anifem, as well as the owner of the anime blog, The Jose Next Door. Hi, I'm Vry Kaiser. I'm also a contributor and editor for Anifem. And if you throw Vry Kaiser into Google, you can find what I do at all the places. <laughs> Alright, so this is the third episode of our Fushigi Yugi Watch Along, where we watch a few episodes each week and invite listeners to watch along with us. Uh, this week we watched episodes 15 to 20. So, what did you guys think? The show continues to be pretty good with some bullshit on the horizon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about right. Yeah, yeah um, that's sort of the thing about watching that show in hindsight, is that no matter how good it is, and it, it can be really good, mm-hmm. there's always bullshit on the horizon. So, yeah, sort of bracing for that. Um that said, I really like this stretch of episodes. We got two mm-hmm. monster movies, a spy caper, and a throwdown. I mean, that's fun for the whole family. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's actually a fun way to think of that. I mean, you can, I, you can critique Fushigi Yugi for a lot of things. I'm not sure it's ever boring. It keeps moving, um, for sure. It's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's definitely not something I've ever found boring. <laughs> Frustrating? Yes. yes. Yes, at times. Infuriating? Absolutely. Boring? Probably not. The whole thing, like, as we, you start to see it here, but as we go along, we're going to get more of, like, poor communication, but it's the really mm-hmm. bad kind of poor communication. Like, this isn't the good kind where you have, like, six characters who all have different motivations and are telling each other certain things to further their own goals necessarily it's two people who just happen to miss each other at exactly the wrong time and therefore it makes a ripple effect of terrible things that could have been avoided in two seconds or like um a character who is too busy i'm saying i love you to someone to actually tell them what's important um and thus cause major misunderstandings and bad things happening Yes. That sort of stuff. And it's all it's almost always Miyaka who ends up grasping the idiot ball in oh, order to make Miyaka. these things work. And it's mm-hmm. very sad. I mean she's, she's just not very smart. She's doing At least her it's best. A consistent, she's doing her best. <laughs> At least it's a consistent part of her character in that she's not like randomly smart sometimes and then dumb sometimes for plot reasons. But like she, at least I, I don't know, I think because like she she's kind I mean she's she's not that smart but she's smarter than this plot demands of her at times. She she can that have these bursts of No, I get it. She can have these bursts of being kind of clever and creative like when she realizes that oh, I can actually use like the kind of shitty sexism of this world against it and kind of seduces her way out of the jail cell um with the cat <laughs> uh, with with the cat uh, helping out with the assist there. Um and so she like escapes on her own and gets out. Um, and so she has these moments of where like her proactivity and agency kind of compiles into this kind of think on my feet sort of cleverness. Um, but then because she never plans ahead, I think that's her biggest problem is she doesn't think past like the next five minutes. Um, yeah. so she yeah, gets out yeah, and then she doesn't really know what to do. And then mm-hmm. she's hungry. So she gets food and then Yui basically catches her again. Um, and then she gets rescued again. <laughs> 
and decides that it's a really good idea to just tie Toski to a pole in the middle of an enemy palace and leave him there. Um, oh my because, god! Right, and because feelings. and she's she's proactive, but like sort of genre demands that she only her proactivity generally gets her into more trouble because she needs to have a big strong man to rescue her. Um, which is frustrating in its own way. Right. Yeah, and I guess you can you can say that like this is like on the one hand it's in line with her character, but on the other hand the whole I will deliberately mislead my teammates thing is something that we literally did like we had an entire arc of episodes oh, to her growing past and now we're back at it again. We had hoped we had so. hoped she had grown past mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, it does not appear that she had been. And yeah, it's that it's that element of, again, when we've talked about this, I think every week where she thinks that being responsible means doing things on your own and not talking to other people about it. And we very much see more of that this week where it's like, no, I can't get anyone else involved in this. So I'm going to run off and do it on my own. And literally everyone's like, Miyaka, Miyaka, we exist to help you. Like, I get that she doesn't know Toski very well yet. And she is worried that he'll hurt Tamahome, but she doesn't trust Chichiri, who she knows has her back, and then Toski ends up fighting Tamahome anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's, I think I can, you can kind of see, like, I, I, especially with this rewatch, I can see her train of thought. It's just very frustrating. Because um, mm-hmm. I can see her going, oh, they'll never let me go back because I'm hurt and they're worried about me. Um, which is probably true. Um, so she goes, I'll just have to do it on my own. Um... So I can see where that comes into play. And I also, like, the other thing that's really frustrating about these episodes is Miyaka's not wrong most of the time. Like, she's like, something's wrong with Tamahome. There's probably some kind of a spell on him. She's right. Um, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's and true. So, and that, so that really sucks for her because she's not, she's not wrong about the things that are going on. Um, she even, I think, has an inkling that um, what's going on with Yui isn't is maybe being pushed along um, by Nakago. Um, it's just that don't, knowing that isn't enough at this point. Like, it doesn't matter that she's right. There's other things happening. There's other perspectives to take into account. Um, and so one, one would hope that she will, she'll figure that out as she goes as well. Yeah, the Yui thing is extra depressing because you can, you can get the sense that she makes even a little bit of progress, but then it's immediately undone and three steps more back because he's... Yeah. Just... Nakako is a very good villain. I, th- I think the show is stronger when he is the only major villain in some ways. He's such yeah. a fucking no. piece of shit. He is the worst. But he's, yeah. yeah, he's really good in the sense that, like, I don't find him sympathetic at all. Um, and I don't even find him compelling in, like, a, oh, I want to know your backstory and what's going on with you. But he's, he's genuinely terrifying in a way that I think is hard with a villain that shows up as much as he does. Um, it's like anytime he's around, there's that sense of like, oh shit, what's going to happen next? Um, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he's really, I feel like he, he is a little bit too good of a villain in a certain way because he's so much stronger than everyone else. And oh, yeah. he's, he's way so over. manipulative and mm-hmm. he's, you know, uh, he's such a, like, he's such a mastermind and everything is always a ha ha. All goes according to plan, but I guess that that sort of comes in more later. Like right now, he's just sort of yeah. I, I feel what you're saying. Like he's more a force of nature than a person. Like there's there's no mm-hmm. progress you can make against that. Although I guess like I mean I'm I I am 
talking about that coming from the perspective of knowing the whole series. So actually, I mean, now that I think of it thus far, he actually is a pretty uh, effective villain because, yeah, he's super powerful, but most of his um, effectiveness comes from the way that he uh, gaslights and grooms Yui. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I mean, it's it, that is more believable um, because that is something that evil shitty people evil shitty men do yeah i i definitely remember kind of thinking he was cool when i was 13 and i'm still (laughs) cringing about it (laughs) (laughs) i'm still i'm still cringing like super hard about it there's been a there's been a lot of villains i cringe now looking back on liking um but thankfully nakago was not one of them um I, I have no excuse. I have nothing to <laughs> offer. There's nothing there. There's nothing there except for him creeping on Tamahome, which I guess would have been it. Your love of trash. Your love <laughs> of absolute garbage. <laughs> Normally, my love of garbage includes, like, sad, pathetic children. This this does not fit the pattern. <laughs> yeah, he's not so much the sad, pathetic child. No, uh, he's like a he, mean he man. Is, he is not a, an Oscar or a Nanami this is just he he is a horrible monstrous person with no redeeming qualities. Do you know what do you guys know what his character says? Hmm? No. Um, his character is for a heart. Oh his like, oh his uh his uh say uh celestial kanji. warrior symbol. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I didn't know what you symbol. meant by character. Yeah. Sorry. It's, it's Kokoro. It's heart or soul. Kokoro. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I was confused for a sec because I know you had access to the character bios. Or at least, at least you you had pulled up uh, Nuriko's. Oh, or... that was in the manga. As I'm reading, as I'm watching the anime, I'm reading the manga as well, just kind of for the heck of it. And uh, there are some character bios in there. I, we've not gotten to Nakago's yet, so um, mm. I don't have any. I don't have any fun facts about Nakago just yet. Uh, assuming that it will happen. Fun fact: Fuck this guy. <laughs> Pretty much <laughs> the um, funnest fact. <laughs> the funnest, most factual fact. He's this guy. Yeah, he's God. He's the worst. He. I think the part, especially this week, um, that really kind of stood out to me is like, a, oh, this is a bad, bad man, is when he gives Yui the the Kadoku like poison, and just says and like tells her like, this is your choice. You can choose to do with what you want with this. But he doesn't tell her what it is, so she has no actual clue what she's using. But he makes it seem like she has some kind of agency and power in this decision. Right, and then afterwards, when she like grasps that something is going on and tries to find out, he turns the blame on her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when Yui's yeah. like crying in Tamahome's arm, and Nakago's just like sitting out the window, like smirking. Oh, yeah, he's. Oh god, he's just awful. He is. He is really awful, and also, like, I I talked in last, I think the last watch along about like him as a you know a the scary bisexual man and wow this the torture scene is more sexually coded than i remembered oh yeah like like my god like it's a whipping scene on paper but then you you have the the physical element of it and then miyako waking up and and saying she dreamed about about nakago eating him and wishing that she had gotten a chance to also and like holy all right we missed the rape scene this happened yeah like it's and the, like Nakago, it is something that comes up a little bit later. 
A little bit, yeah. It's the thing with the thing with the thing with Nakago, I think, is just everything's a power play to him. Like it's not even really about sex, it's power and they're kind of the same thing. Um in his in his mind, uh, particularly, um, which I think you see with Yui a little bit and then a lot with his with his, like you said, very kind of creeper creeper coded uh, interactions with Tamahome. I think maybe the anime thinks that it has some leeway and it, it but there it cert- it already does kind of interest me that there's this this idea that that Tamahome overcomes and is you know this is a test to make him stronger almost as his character progresses mm-hmm. which is very different than how it the show treats Yui's assaults as, as something that was potentially ruinous and also made her evil. Did it make her evil? I, she's uh, quote she's, unquote evil. Right, she's, I feel like the show can't decide on what it's trying to imply there. Like, Yui's clearly leaning, I mean, she's leaning into the, like, the let's let's be bad guys kind of thing, like, with Nak, like, kind of kind of almost imitating Nakago to a point, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does sort of go out of her way to make sure they don't just kill Miyaka and the warriors right at the beginning. Um like, she's like, no, no, that wouldn't be any fun. Let's capture them first. And it's like, okay, you don't want your best friend to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, which Chichiri wisely reads that and is like, she'll be okay. We have some time to kind of plan what we want to do here. So I think I don't like the idea that it like made her evil. I think it, I think she's very hurt. And I think she genuinely feels like Miyaka betrayed her. Yui's consci- conscience resides mm-hmm. in her pants. Because <laughs> whenever she's being evil, she's just kind of running around in no pants. She did sort of no, give up pants I, this week. She was like, I, I, pants. Which, I, you know, I get that to a point. <laughs> I, I do want it's to true. Like, when I take off my pants, I become totally amoral. So, like... <laughs> well, the thing of it is, is that is that I I really like Yui, and I like I like watching her in this stretch of episodes because she doesn't very much feel like a kid who's playing at being evil, but then balks from the uglier consequences of it, even with you know, brainwashing Tamahome, she's clearly really upset once she actually sees the consequences of what she's done. Yeah. But I'm just constantly watching the show because I the show is full of bullshit when it comes to certain dynamics and things about women sometimes. So when it, whenever it has those sort of morally gray moments when, when she's talking about, when she's, you know, acting as a villain and deciding what to do and when that's connected back to her assault i just i keep my side eye on hard i think that's i think that's fair definitely approach it with um with kind of some skepticism and and keeping an eye on on how they continue to handle that um because at this point i still find her sympathetic and i think at the moment when that ceases then then we then we definitely have some have some problems here women be competing you know (sighs) yeah I mean, in the end, like, there really is, you can't get past that, cert- the sort of undercurrent of that, of just, like, women in love kind of turn into catty bitches. I mean, it's such a shame, because I-, I like the focus on their friendship, like, a lot. But, yeah, I-, I do really like the times when the show is focused on their friendship and not about Tamahome, so then it makes me sadder when it yeah. boils it down to the love triangle. Mm-hmm. To me, the love triangle feel. How do I word this? 
to me, Tomahome is a symbol for Yui more than like an actual person. She like, I mean, I think I think spending time with him these past couple months, like she has gotten to the point where she is fond of him. Um, but her decision to to like steal him, quote unquote, from Miyaka, um, she even says she's like, if Miyaka hadn't betrayed me, there's no way I would be doing this right now. Mm. Um, right. And I think well, that he, yeah, he's he's the symbol of everything that went right for Miyaka that went wrong for her. You know, they were very nearly assaulted when they arrived in the universe of the four gods. But then Tamahome was there. But then the next, when Yui arrived the next time, he wasn't. Yeah, and... she was alone and didn't have anyone who was able to kind of sweep in and help her out the way Miyaka did. Um, so I think, so I, I guess like it's almost hard for me to even consider it a love triangle, um, even though the characters frame it that way, because her kind of like quasi obsession with Tamahome is really just about Miyaka. It's not really about Tamahome. Yeah, that's a good point. Sorry, mm-hmm. Tamahome. He's 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 surprisingly bearable in this run of episodes. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. Yeah. The only thing about him that kind of bugs me is he's weirdly black and white about sort of over oversimplified, I think, about Yui's situation. Like when he kind of overhears them talking about how she chose to become the priestess of Seryu. And he's like, "Le gasp! This changes everything." <laughs> I'm like, mm, everything. And the, the fact that she chose automatically discounts any of the manipulation that went on before that. Right. She yeah, said the like, words. I mean, so. It's like she can be completely innocent, or she can like be one of the one of the bad guys. And it's like he's not quite sure how to handle the shades of gray that would be in there. Right. And I mean, is that something that's? Um an issue with Tamahome the character or is that an issue something that's an issue with the show as a whole something that is an issue with the story and if it's an issue with Tamahome is that something that's written to be part of his character or is it just him being an idiot for plot convenience It, it does feel weird to me just because like on the one hand he's 17 but also he clearly had to grow up fast because he's it, you know, his one character flaw is actually that he's taking care of his family and is, in fact, perfect. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. By the way, we got some new characters this week. We did. We did. We, we, did. we got some good characters. Mm-hmm. Um, t- t- guys, guys, I did, I did say I would say it. I did say I would say it. Toski is a good boy. He's, he a he's the best he boy. A good boy. Sorry, he's not the, he's best, the boy. best boy. He's not the best, best boy, boy, but he is a good boy. Best boy. Dear listeners, he, he, I mean, we, we will now say be... that um, your favorite Chichiri is is best man. Yeah, that's because true because he's he is a grown an adult. Up. Okay, you know, I guess I g- I'll give you guys that if we can't call him a boy, um, because it's he is he is a he is a grown ass adult. The um, only one who acts like it. I mean, Mitsukake is an adult too. He's twenty two, I think. Um, yeah, but we can. Yeah, but also counter argument: he's boring. Well, Aww. okay, here's the thing, Vry. If you I saw mean, a tentacle mouth monster still. burst out of your zombie girlfriend's back, I don't know if you'd come back from that right away. Um, oh, oh, no, no, like, it's not his fault. It's just that he's the stoic one, and fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, it's, it honestly kind of uh, irritates me because um, he's really good in the visual novel. Like, the writer there, they, it's a little bit more of an ensemble cast, and so you get more of the characters. And basically, he and Chichiri are the dads of the group. 
And oh, I mean, this all seems the, accurate. Right? Like, this is legit. Uh, and Chicherry's kind of like the, oh, look at the kids. They're so cute being kids kind of dad. And Mitsukaki is just like 1,000% done. <laughs> it's amazing. He and Toski do not like each other. Um, half the This oh. all seems right. Like, yeah, this no, seems it's good. Where is this in the show? Right, it's such a bummer that we get, there's a couple of little flashes that we get sort of later where you kind of get that sense that he sort of has this, like, uh, attitude, especially towards Toski, um, and kind of a dry sense of humor, but it's, it's, it, yeah, it definitely isn't in, in this stretch, like, at all, um, he's, I would argue um, because he's still traumatized. Yeah, I will, but, no, we saw a little bit when, like, um, Chiriko and, um, Noriko uh, are fighting over Hotori. Are fighting over yes. Hotori, and he's just like, "Oh, your Majesty is very popular with the boys." Yes, that is true. Um, just, just total deadpan, and that's kind of the <laughs> charm of his character in the in the visual novel. Because um, there's like a part later where um, Tamahome and Toski basically just like punch their way into a building when your plan had been to like sneak in, and Mitsukaki is just completely unfazed, and your character's like, "You're like taking this in stride," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm used to these two just messing everything up." <laughs> Um, so that's pretty much where he is. Um, so yeah, he's fun. I like Mitsukake, but not not necessarily yeah, in the it's anime. It's too bad, and... like the episode where we first meet Mitsukake, the animation, the the episode where we first meet Mitsukake in the anime is such a disaster. There are some <laughs> looks. There are quality yeah. looks. It is quality <laughs> animation. Um, quality. Oh my god! All Just... kinds of squinty eyes and and whatnot um you know they had 52 episodes to do they you know sometimes you're not going to get your best team on the project but. one of them had to suffer and they decided they decided the one that should suffer would be the one where we introduce a new major character mm -hmm. yeah the one after it though where you like get kind of the big dramatic climax to his to his and shoka's story um does actually look pretty good um, it's creepy. It gets a little overfiend in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it gets a lot overfiend, and in a, I was very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. The the um, the the bioma, the sickness demon tentacle monster is uh, yeah. is genuinely creepy. Like you can't say it's not creepy. Okay, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Go on. Um, you guys are watching the subtitled version, right? Right. Yes. Because I've been I... watching in the dub. Yeah, and, and I, I have seen the dub. In the dub, there's kind of a weird moment where Miyaka's standing in the room looking like, Shoka, is that you? Are you there? While Shoka's, like, trying to, like, keep from, like, completely going all demon on her. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because it's like, why doesn't she know? In the dub, they never mention that she went blind because of the disease. Did they mention that in the subtitles? No, it doesn't get mentioned. Okay, to my so knowledge, they just the anime. To mention that. I think the anime staff just figured, oh, the audience will figure it out. <laughs> That's I mean, the best I can figure. Um, that is, it is that a is actually confusing. a good point because there have it's come up several times in just us discussing it in a uh, chat that there are considerable differences uh, between the sub and the dub in some good ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the... mostly mostly about Noriko. There, yeah, no, and I think this is actually kind of, um, I know we, we discussed maybe talking about this this week, and I think it's a worthwhile conversation, because we mentioned it a little bit last week, but the dub does sort of make a concentrated effort to just be nicer to Noriko in general. Um, yeah, the point and it's, it's definitely not something that can just be explained away with lip flap. 
Um, and it's nice because it was a 90s dub when people were cousins more ignorant people people yeah without yeah just you know the that kind of insensitivity like a lot of folks wouldn't have necessarily gone oh we should maybe do something about that and i guess i mean you can definitely make the argument that uh dub should be faithful to the spirit of the source etc um but Mm. i like the changes and frankly i kind of wish the subs had just been like fuck it let's just change what's being said here Right. Counter um, argument: The subs are shitty on this point. Well, and sometimes the subs make weird translation decisions too. Like the way they 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 keep translating Okama differently, and every translation decision feels like a weird one to me. Mm. Um, most of the right. time, right? It's it's like they didn't make an effort to have internal consistency because I imagine a lot of the subscripts were written by different people. That's possible, yeah. Um, or, or or really consider the context of what because it is kind of a. It's kind of a fuzzy term, and it's tough to translate um, because it does sort of have a broad meaning. But the fact that there didn't seem to be an effort to, like, really pay attention to kind of the context and, and talk about, like, what would actually the word choice be here kind of thing right. um, is, is frustrating at times. Um, but, yeah, the dub is one of those where I really – I genuinely think the, the central cast does a pretty solid job. Like, it's an early dub, but they had a pretty decent group for it, I think. Um so I don't dislike watching it. It's just that the sub has such a good voice cast. I mean, the dub has like a lot of a lot of them have gone on to be like pretty prominent voice actors, like fucking Solid Snake, David Hayter <laughs> in there, yes, Mary, uh, Mary McGlynn uh, is Noriko. Oh, that's right. She's, I think Wendy um, Lee played Yui. Yeah, Wendy oh. Lee played Yui. Uh, yeah. not the best performance of her career. No, uh, um, this was very early in a lot of their careers, and they would go on to work yeah. for I think Genion mostly, and do some pretty and do some some good stuff. Um, but you can tell at this point that it was still kind yeah. of getting a feel for getting a feel for lip flaps, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it definitely Richard has. F-car. It definitely has um, the nineties. Wait, 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 dub. wait! Richard F. Carr is in the dub. Shut up. He's Miss Kake. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who's Richard F. Carr? Why should I care? Uh, he he's he did Jigen uh, in the red jacket uh Luke on the third dub gotcha i went to school with richard epcar's daughter oh that's an amazing connection (laughs) there you go i also took violin lessons at the same um place as her and her lessons were like after mine Mm. so like there was a couple of times and like he would be like dropping her off there and be like oh you play a lot of anime characters i like (laughs) <laughs> that's cool. That's that's very cool. It's cool. My mom, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's LA? That's LA. It's very cool. <laughs> you go, story. Richard Epcar. You you're now three fifths of the way through voicing the Lupin the Third Gang. I have faith in you. Now, yeah, we just gotta get him to play Fujiko. <laughs> uh... I'd watch it. <laughs> The greatest challenge of his career. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, yeah, it definitely as overall as a dub. I've only listened to a couple very small snippets, but it definitely seems much class. Like at least 
not may if not as good as Cowboy Bebop, certainly worlds above something like uh, the Utena dub, which is bad. Ooh. Yeah, it well, it has the it has the '90s dub. It has what I like to call the Slayers dub problem, which is kind of a late '90s problem, where the core cast is pretty good, but they just didn't have a very large pool of actors to pull from. So you start mm-hmm. getting into the minor roles, and things get shaky real fast. Yeah, well, <laughs> Bakugo's actor, I don't think anyone actually knows who played him because he's <gasps> acting under the screen name of Jack Hammer. Oh my god. <laughs> I um, think I knew oh, that. Oh my god. Um, I don't so think Toski or Chichiri's voice actors really went on to become big No, they names. they didn't really do. Well, not in the not in the dub anyway. Um, um Ruby Marlowe is a, a non-union name for someone who's done a bunch of roles as well. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I know she remember. played uh she played the lead in Perfect Blue for sure. Oh, that's a good dub, so. Yeah. Um, um. But my favorite, like, just incidental dub actor was the guy who, um, in the episode where Miyako's just, like, running after Yui by herself and Tomahomi's trying to catch up with her. Uh-huh. And he, it's the guy who gave her directions to go into the forest. Oh, yeah. And Tomahomi comes running by and he's like, what? You told her to go to the forest? But that forest is dangerous. And the guy's just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <Just> like, Acting. <laughs> just like, oh, yeah. That's amazing. I didn't think, I didn't think anything could, oh, I didn't think anything could dub, or could top the, the Descendants of Darkness dub with this guy who just came in, did a really nasal voice for, like, the scary semi-character, and then never worked again. But that's pretty close. Oh. <laughs> but, like, yeah, so, going back to the topic, the dub does change um, quite a few lines, not so much as to change, like, the overall meaning of the scene, but to just be less mean-spirited to Noriko. Um... You know, like in the episode 20 that we just watched in the subs, it's uh, Chiri Coke comes running in yelling, I thought I heard a homo scream. Yeah, what the hell? Which, you know, not super cool. Um, like, I don't care. The The best reading of that I could, I mean, it's not true, but if I were inclined to be generous, I would, I would say, oh, it's to indicate that we're clearly not supposed to like this asshole because I don't. <laughs> but no, it's, but it, we are. We are. We are. I don't, but we are. Um, and in the dub, it was, um, I just heard the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, he was like, that's the ugliest sound I've ever heard. And then Noriko just snaps back, like, that's how I feel about your flute. And it's like, oh, okay, there's some razzing. Um, because Noriko... you know what? For a character who his whole thing is playing flute, he's not very good at it. It's, they did not, they did, they could have done better with the music for his flute. It's very avant-garde, you just don't get it. Oh, you know, yeah. you're probably overall, right. Well, he's a genius, and he's just not appreciated. Music. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it's it's definitely distinctive. What was that, Brian? Um, he's unappreciated in his time. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Um, they'll one day, one day they'll come to appreciate him. Though he did kind of save everyone's asses at the end there, so he's yeah. got that going for him. Yeah, Mr. Chirico, who's not in the opening. Yeah, I, yeah, my that's... friend and I were so confused the first time I watched this because we were like, wait, who is, how is this Chiriko? Who's, what about that kid in the opening theme? 
I'm very puzzled. So we definitely had that. The worst part of it is, is that I legitimately do not remember enough of the series to be able to, to, to know what's up. Like, no. What might be going on there? Yeah, no, I got nothing. That's Except good. That you'll I don't be, like him. You'll be, su- you'll be surprised and or something or other um, if slash when something happens with there. Once there's a reveal as to why he's not in the opening theme. <laughs> you will have an emotion if and when something, <laughs> com- like, something comes to it. Fushigi hey, Yugi, I'm- you'll have an emotion. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's the tagline. Shut her down. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's perfect. All right, let's put it, like, can we please, like, send that to Discotech and have them put it on the Blu-rays? Yes. <laughs> can we just, like, ask Brady to put print that on there? I mean, it's some... Listen, people need to know what they're getting into. <laughs> and it's, it's extremely accurate. You will indeed have... You know what? I would go so far as to say you will have multiple emotions. Whoa. Now that's getting into some David Cage ter- territory I know, there. I don't know. I know. It's, it's, it's ambitious. It's maybe a bit of a stretch, but... <laughs> you just might I mean... have multiple emotions. I, I am constantly... I sincerely surprised at how much I like Toski, given that I normally don't like the hot blooded character, but he's just such a sweet boy. He is he's he's a good boy. Fucking dork. He's just this this is a quality boy we got here. A good he good is, boy. He is a good good boy and he has All I right, love his... Thank you, McElroy. <laughs> um Yes, you know. Hey, you can't do a podcast and not, he's not just, quote a McElroy um, at some point. And <laughs> I think, I think it's rule. that this show doesn't take him seriously most of the time um because he is like he's what is he 15 or 16 like he's young he's just like a fucking kid and he's just like a lot of like and you know like like a lot of the characters a lot of what he's doing is just trying to fit himself to a certain image yeah Um, he's He's got kind of some of the same problems as Miyaka. I think that just he has the benefit of the fact that when he screws up, it usually only hurts him. At least so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's partly because uh, the other characters will actually, like, straight up just, like, hard correct him when he screws up. As opposed to Miyaka, which they're they're quite a bit more lenient with her, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Noriko just punches him into a wall when he's tactless. Um, although I feel so bad for him because he really is, he really is coming into a, uh, he's coming into the series 15 episodes in, um, and he's, and he's that, and he's sitting on the couch next to his, next to his buddy who's been watching the show from the beginning and trying to figure out what the hell is going on with everybody. And it just so happened that he named the wrong ship and thought that Hotohari and Noriko were, I mean, Hotohari and uh, Miyaka were a thing. Um, so I'm sorry, Toski. Your ship is you, bad, Toski. You, you picked the bad ship, Toski. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, Noriko had to punish you for that one. Uh, as is right and proper when someone picks the bad ship. That's right. <laughs> uh, which, uh, no, yeah, Toski's, well, Toski's great, too, because kind of like Noriko, I think he plays off almost everybody really well. Um, so not only, yeah, it's true. So not only is he himself fun, but he himself is fun. He is fun in dynamics with lots of different characters. Um, he and Noriko are immediately really great together during the, during the Mitsukake stuff. Um, and then, and then he and Chichiri form my favorite buddy comedy during the spy caper. And with Miyaka, like 
sometimes I'm sad that the entire show isn't just the three of them like going on adventures together oh. and there's no romance or love triangle. It's just that it. trio. It's just well, that dynamic. You know, if you ask some of the shippers, I would argue that that would not necessarily not ha- be a romance. I mean, they're yeah, wrong because Toski and Noriko are clearly the best ship, but I respect <laughs> what you're saying. Um, um, bandit boyfriend. I just look if we're gonna if we're gonna resurrect the best boy argument after 20 years, and if we're gonna well, then we're also gonna resurrect the ships. Let's ship war this right now. I will bring the kids. Right, shipping wars. That's good oh, use of our time as adults. Definitely, <laughs> grown adults Definitely. who pay bills. Yeah, um, listen, like, uh, I'm not sure how old you guys are, but old I'm enough. Pretty <laughs> old, old enough to not be participating in shipping wars. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm very much, very much teasing. Um, but no, I really, the, the, the spy caper arc with the two of them is, is really fun. And with Miyaka and the three of them kind of bouncing off each other, I think is a really good dynamic. And it's probably why that stretch of episodes is maybe my favorite in the entire show. Um, I really, I really enjoy, um, the, the way they're, the way they kind of, they can, they clash against each other, but they're all three have kind of like a goofiness to them. So they can sort of take turns being like the serious character, um, Mm -hmm. while everyone, while the others are kind of being silly. Um, and it makes for a fun, uh, it makes for a fun dynamic. And then just, just anytime you have like a, a patient character who wants to like kind of avoid conflict hanging out with a brash character who solves all of his problems by punching them until they go away. Um, it usually leads to, usually leads to good times. Um, um, it's, it's also just a really good stretch of shenanigans before the show careens back into being about the, the destined super romance of Miyaka and Tamahome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot, it's a good ensemble show for a few, for a, for a stretch there. And I think Fushigi a really yeah. good ensemble show and it's weakest when it kind of forgets that and becomes like the Miyaka and Tamahome hour. Mm-hmm. Um, With so, uh, guest appearances by Hodohori trying to steal his girl. This oh fucker. yeah. Should we talk about how Hodohori is <laughs> still the worst? Because <laughs> he's still the worst. Still the worst. <laughs> Update. It's still terrible. I, I <laughs> thought I was going to come into these and be able to tell you guys, wait, actually... There is. I am starting to feel bad for him because I had it in my head that there was a thing. I I I got the visual novel and the anime confused again. Is what happened. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought at when Miyaka got sick because in the visual novel you do get sick, um, and then you get to pick which Seishi will kill you, and then you get like points from them because nothing says I love you like assisted suicide. <laughs> um, so. That happens. Um, so I thought Miyaka asked Hotohori specifically to kill her, and then he couldn't do it. And I was going to come and be like, I actually do feel really bad for Hotohori that Miyaka like singled him out for that um, in this in this particular scenario, knowing full well how much he cares about her. Um, like, pick the guy who barely knows you. Be like, hey, Toski, stab me. Let's do this. <laughs> um, but but he volunteers. Yeah, he, yeah. He, like, he doesn't ask Miyaka. No. He's just like, "Hey, Miyaka." He's All like, right, let's go. I'll do it. And then he can't. It's like, "I'll." Vol-. He's like, "I'm gonna do this." And he's like, "No, oh, I'm sorry. I just love you so much." And I'm like, "Oh, it's God. like who asked you?" Right. That is Hotahori all over. Who asked you? <laughs> oh, they're so poor yet so noble. Oh, oh. that scene is so oh, bad because. No. It's like almost a moment of genuine character growth for him, where he kind of steps out of his bubble and realizes, "Oh shit." I thought Conan was poverty. doing well, but poverty is, it turns out, a thing here. Um, 
but even even in that moment where it feels like he's almost having some kind of an important revelation to like this you know terribly privileged sort of closed off character um who has finally having a chance to explore his country um instead of framing it in like a I need to do something to make sure that nobody goes without like like this like this family appears to be doing um he frames it as like look at this dirty stinking peasant hovel and just, you, you uh, did it oh bad. they're so beautiful oh yeah so you mean tom home his wife uh, oh yeah the emotionally then, manipulative small children love it they're so cute yeah. aren't they Gosh, they uh they sure are great props with dialogue. Right. <laughs> oh god. I loved like in the manga Toski's reaction to Hodogor Hodohori going, Oh, they're so poor yet so honest. His yeah, his facial expression is exactly the way I <laughs> oh, looked when he said that. He's so, so good. I feel Why like Toski's so good. Toski's I feel like that good. single panel could be the reaction image for a lot of things on Twitter. <laughs> a lot of things Hotohori said. Also, yeah. yes. Both of those yeah. things are true. <laughs> it just, like, it's so... And, and you got to appreciate the economy of plot here, where it's like, all right, we're t we've milked as much out of the sick dad plot angle as we can. Bring in the healer. <laughs> yeah, let's get the white mage in involved. Yeah. Um, so well, it's this way, little... this way, Tomatomi doesn't have to worry about his family as much. Like he can travel. I mean, assuming he, sorry, assuming he's not evil forever. Let's, let's I should pretend put that, that could happen. I should, I should put that asterisk on there. Um, assuming Tomatomi is just not a bad guy forever now. Um, now, now he would not have to worry about his family because his dad is healthy again. Um, mm -hmm. So hooray! The better to concentrate solely on his girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as this, like, a, okay, but as, like, a celestial warrior, I feel like he should be considered a government employee and therefore be getting paid a decent, like, a decent wage that he could give to his family. I mean, right? I guess if, I guess if Hotahori was a better emperor, he probably would have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Chichiri should actually be the emperor. <laughs> <laughs> but then he wouldn't get to, but then, but then he wouldn't get to go on spy capers with Toski, and I would be sad, so... Let's leave Hotahori at the palace, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's a good point. He is out of the way of the plot there. Yes. But on the other hand, when he is at the, like, when he gets sidelined, Noriko tends to get sidelined too, and then I am sad. Because I just, I miss them a lot. That had, that did come up a little bit this week. Like, they were, they were very good with, uh, with Toski. Like, they just immediately had a fun back and forth with Toski, which was, which was mm -hmm. great. Um... But then there wasn't a whole lot for them to do. Well, again, part of the story was let's focus on these characters we haven't hung out with quite as much. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is which is totally fair. And I was, I will say, I am like, I am constantly cynical about the Miyaka Tamahome relationship as mm -hmm. the show starts to cast it as a larger and larger tumor upon the good plot elements. Yeah, but I do really kind of like the scene with the with the screen where, where Chichiri is facilitating their Skype call. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's sweet. It's it, it's actually really good, and it feels earned, and I liked it. Yeah, yeah it, and you know, as someone who has done long distance, and I know you're right here with me, Vry, Same. is like, it um, does feel like that, like, even when you're separated from the 
person you love. Like Right, like in that specific scenario, yeah, all the emotions get really big and their grand declarations feel like, of, of course, you got to get this all out at once in the five minutes you're going to see them. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, like... Um, well, okay. and they're not very By good at way. time in the anime. They're not very good at establishing mm-hmm. time, but they've been separated for, I think, months at this point. Like, I think traveling Conan takes time. Um, so I do think it's been a while as well. Um, so did you guys notice the music box in this episode? Yeah, this episode? it came back and fell and, yeah. and hit the floor and started and, playing again. And then it and then it stopped. It did. It was so deep. Deep symbolism. They did a symbol. Which is what my 12-year-old self thought. (laughs) I thought that was so... (laughs) So, like... I was so touched by that. I'm I'm just impressed that, really, that that winding mechanism has legs. It's been bumps. (laughs) (laughs) So why do you think it's just been running this entire time in this room? That is how... (laughs) That, that is how those things work, right? I mean, it wouldn't be a very good symbol if it hadn't been running the entire time they were in love, I suppose. Um, That's right. Um, it's actually some kind of terrible monkey's paw of a box. <laughs> I like this theory. I buy it. Um, it's good. But I actually want, you know, I will say I think these episodes do a pretty, like you were saying, like, like Miyaka Tamahome's relationship does feel more earned in a lot of the scenes we see here, and there's, mm-hmm. like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna throw obstacles in your couple's way, like, I sort of appreciate that the show didn't go kind of the the sort of, like, lazy, typical route of oh, turns out Tamahome does have feelings for Yui, and he's torn now, ah! Um, mm, it went the, it no. went the, no, he's serious about Miyaka, um, we have magic in this world, so let's just change his personality, and now we've mm-hmm. got a, now we've got a conflict, um, and it, it taps into, like, I mean, as, as a lot of the show that does, sort of taps into kind of adolescent fears about, like, somebody you, you, especially when you think, I think when you just start, like, getting into a relationship with someone, and that fear of, like, maybe I don't know them as well as I thought, maybe... Like, what if, what if they just suddenly turn around and they don't like me anymore? Which can happen in high school, too. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, no, we're not into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think in a way, it, it taps into those anxieties um, very well. And then it's also genuinely frustrating for the characters because they're like, what the fuck is going on? Um, you know, first with Miyagi, yeah. and when, then when, well, and she, like, even Chichiri, like, when he kind of finally yeah, figures out that, um, that Tamahome's been attacking her, he's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, Toski doesn't know him, so he's like, okay, I guess I have to kill this guy now, um, which is a good reaction, because he's a good boy. He's a very good boy. Um, Actually, you saying that just now sort of crystallized for me, like, I can appreciate the, the whole, like, fact that it's playing on adolescent anxieties, and Watase was very young when she wrote this, but also, I think what becomes frustrating more and more with these two is that all of the obstacles in their relationship are external rather than internal. There's not a lot of them, like, discussing, like, personality conflicts and the growth of, you know, just learning to mature together as a couple. That is a very it's, good point. It, yeah, like, par- Paradise Kiss, this ain't. Yeah, no, this is not um, freaking my love story. This ain't. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's a good series. It's, it's a more, it's a somewhat more simplistic one. Is kind of why I use it as an example. But it's, you know, um, I think it does a good job of sort of dealing with characters' internal conflicts and trying to figure out how to grow as a couple 
one-on-one and uh, Shigeyuki kind of just goes the, well, they're in love. It's fine. Um, so yeah. Right. Um, you know, they don't really have anything in common. It, you know, my favorite fictional couples are the ones where it's like, you can sort of imagine what they talk about, um, when the camera is not running, uh, so to speak. So like when with Miyaka and Tamahome, like once like the newness wears off, what are they going to have left? That is something I would actually, like, this show doesn't, it doesn't, but th- I would actually be super interested in watching just these two sort of sweet, awkward teens try to figure out how the hell they bridge that. Like, this seems like good entertainment. Right. <laughs> um, well, that's what fan fiction is for. Um. <laughs> and honestly, one of the one of the appeals of Fushigi Yugi, especially as a young fan, is how there are enough there's there's enough there that you can get a grasp on these characters and 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 kind of come to really like them but there's enough gaps that there's a lot you can fill um via art or or fiction or or however else um and so i mean i definitely know one of the things that kind of kept drawing me back to it was that sense of like okay well i want to know more about so and so and so just kind of like coming up with that in your head um, as opposed to something like Utna, which I love. And I know there are people who write Utna fan fiction and good on them. I have It's my favorite show. I have never felt the urge to write a fanfic because I don't no. feel like there's anything else that needs to right. be said. Like, yeah, it's, it's a very complete closed right. story. Um, do you want to know when I wrote, last wrote Fushigi Yugi fan fiction? Five years ago. Um, not... <laughs> Like when I was twenty five years old. Um, yeah, don't um, if 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 that's are we sorry are we having a nerd no, off? Is no, no, I'm happening? just saying. I, I, I mean, I did definitely meet my fiance by writing fan fiction with her. So. I'm just saying this is something. Aww. Aww. Um, no, this is something that's sort of like, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm like too old to write fan fiction, but like rather that this that this story. Um, made its mark on me that strongly um and i wrote fan like silly self-insert fan fiction for it when i was like 13 years old um, oh my god with, so did I. with hatahari god damn it fuck oh wow Regret. oh caitlin i'm Regret. sorry i'm sorry um, anyway. you can always go back and just rewrite it um, <laughs> anyway no i uh no but like yeah i i think i have yeah, it was, I think, six or seven years ago for me, too. Sorry, I was trying to figure out what my exact number was, but uh, what um, were you saying? But, I mean, the one that I wrote is a very, like, different sort of thing. Like, a lot of it has to do with sort of um, reconciling who I am now with, like, some of the messaging of the show, which I'm not going to talk about in specifics because, um, spoilers... Yeah, we can but, get to that. I mean, uh, it's, in a later. yeah, it's definitely yeah. something yeah, yeah, I would, pin in that. wouldn't mind talk, talking about later once it's um, more contextualized with the show. Because I don't know, I'm glad I wrote it. It helped me sort of get some stuff out and think about what the show is saying. No, I think that's mm-hmm. great, and I mean that's often what I mean. I think fan fiction is can can be used for that for sure, and then it can also just be that sort of desire to to feel like there's to like 
complete and fill in pieces with, you know, characters and stories. And, you know, Shigeyuki has a really not particularly well-developed world in the sense of like within the narrative itself, but it's a big sandbox that you can kind of play in. Um, and I think, so there's a lot of appeal there, I think as well, uh, especially, you know, as, as, as a younger fan who, you know, discovered it in their teenage years when they were kind of trying to, when they were writing fan fiction and, and busy with all that as well. And I still like to this day, like get the itch to like work on do Fushigi fanfic and I don't have time, but right. I still have that feeling sometimes where I'm like, Oh, but I could, I could write a story about this person and what happens when this happens kind of stuff. Um, it, it definitely is. I think this, a story in that same sort of class as Harry Potter, where it's a very big world with a lot of big feelings and a big cast that are all very loosely defined in the name of, you know, following this grander narrative. So there's a lot of room to play. And like the whole isekai in general, I think is a genre that appeals in that kind of wanting that, that kind of very right. young self inserts. I mean, with isekai, like a major part of the whole point is that you sort of want to go and check out this world and have that like grand adventure, uh, grand romance and adventure, um, you know, rather you know and you're kind of projecting yourself on these heroines like i really think that is a major part of what isekai is about and why um through the decades it's resonated like it's sort of been trendy with different um different uh, demographics which is gonna be the subject of a panel that i'm doing at anime fest <laughs> although like yeah sometimes sometimes it's Sometimes it's it's sword art online. Right, but I mean, even people people who love sword art online, and listen, I hate sword art online. Like people, but, <laughs> but people I, I mean, I, I can respect online, the people like, who like that first want arc. To be, you know, it, it, it something about that world speaks to them. Um, you know, and they want to participate in that world. You know what, I guess that's, like, whatever else is true about that story specifically and, like, the grossness of the white, the, the whole harem thing. Like, the the general impulse, I think, for a lot of people is good. Which is why everyone should watch Log Horizon. Because <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's sort of online with less, with less creepiness. Yeah, and, um, good. That was that was quite the t well. I guess we were talking about isekai, so um, we got it. We made it. We stuck the landing. That's, <laughs> that's fine. You know, we circled that back around. Um, I don't. Know, is there anything we didn't cover for this run? Toski is a good boy. <laughs> I don't know. He's an exceedingly. I don't good know boy. if we said that enough. Toski is very good. <laughs> um, just, just if anyone was wondering. Um, Chichiri is still my favorite, and he's very good in these episodes as well. But um, Here, that... here's the difference: is that Chichiri is good dad, Toski is good yes. boy. That's that's fair. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. Yep, uh, good. No, I was just, yeah. Sorry, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> that that ep no, that episode twenty is is one of my favorite moments in the show. Um, and it was I think that was when I well and truly knew that I was just like completely invested in whatever the hell was going to go on next because I'm like screaming at my TV, um, genuinely worried <laughs> about this bandit who I met like three episodes ago, um, 
and so I have I have a lot of I have a lot of fondness for that episode, even though it also makes me want to just shake Miyaka so hard. It's a it's a good episode. Like it uses, it, it has good tension. It well, it's kind of frustrating in some ways, but there's good shenanigans, and and Nakago is a really good imposing force. Who, it's good. It's a good episode. Yeah. No. It's it's a we're in we're in the good stretch. We're in the good lands now. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy the Kodoku wine arc in general. So <laughs> enjoy um, it because yeah. we're gonna hit the badlands soon. Eventually we will we will get there and then we will get through them. I promise we will get through them together. Um, but for now, but for now we're having we're having yeah. a good we're having a good dramatic, uh, action-packed, silly mm-hmm. at, at points um, kind of time. Like so. I don't want to get anyone's hopes too high because this really is the best the show is. <laughs> like. Even when it recovers, it doesn't recover a hundred percent. Um. So on that cheery note, enjoy it while it lasts, guys. <laughs> we, might wanna, we 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 might want to cut that. I don't know how close that is to a spoiler. I um, mean, I don't know. That's a general tone thing. I think we can keep that. It's, like it, it's fair. I, it's definitely fair to warn people that there are going to be some rough, rough patches later. Cause I, I remember I watched this with some friends in college and I kind of had warned them in advance, like this is going to be a little bit of a challenge, but I want to see if you guys can get through it with me. And they did. Um, but we got to basically this part and they were like, you know, this is pretty fun. Um, I'm surprised they found the warriors as fast as they did. And I was like, well, yeah, the next 25 episodes are just Miyaka and Tamahome staring deeply into each other's eyes. Um, which was a joke, but it was like, it was like, it is a little bit of a challenge and we'll, we'll get there. But the first, the first, uh, part I think is, is genuinely uh, a fun, a fun isekai, uh, YA adventure. And we've still got, uh, some more episodes of that. So next time we get to, we get to find out, you know, um, what you do when your boyfriend becomes, evil. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess which that's is, next time. Yo, inevitable. Um, you know, it, that, that, it that'll happen. happen. Yeah, it happens to everyone. Um, being, you know, being a teenager is hard, and sometimes people just turn evil for a while, so. They don't call, and they don't invite you to your parties. They break your arm, and, no, they're, hopefully, God, they don't do that. they're force-fed um, medicine that changes their personality. Yeah. Oh, my God, is this actually a very special episode about drugs? <laughs> Well, I've never thought of it that way, but I, mean, I guess, I guess you're not uh, wrong. And if Peter doesn't um, fix it in post, that's No, Tomahome got into the drugs. <laughs> this, is a, this is a 1980s <laughs> after school <laughs> special. We love you, Tomahome. Peter. Thank you. Anyway. All right. So next episode, we will be watching episodes uh, 21 through 27. Um, so join us next time. Uh, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you like what you heard, tell your friends or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. And if you really liked what you heard, consider uh, donating a dollar or more to our Patreon each month. Each month, you really your support really really does go a long way towards making anime feminists happen, both in print and in your be- your buds. And even a dollar is a huge help. Uh, if you're interested in more from the team and our contributors, please check us out at www.animefeminist.com, on Facebook at AnimeFem, on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, and on Twitter at AnimeFeminist.
we've got all the social medias. Thank you, um, and have a good night. See ya. Get some get some sleep, listeners. You need to sleep more, as, as we will too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, I'm hitting stop. <laughs> Enough of this. <laughs>